This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hi guys, this is uh, Sid Jatia. I lead global e-commerce for Under Armour, the sporting apparel company. Uh, people like Steph Curry, Misty Copeland. Uh, so you guys get the point, right? I don't need to tell you what it is. So, so what I love about fashion tech and what I love about today is that we have zillions of people with deep pockets from New York and California visiting Austin and basically supporting a lot of the small businesses. And I live in Austin, so it's just great because ultimately all this tax money goes in better roads, better infrastructure, <laughs> all of that. But beyond South by Southwest, I think fashion tech, ultimately if you think about what is innovation, innovation is not about deep functional expertise. Innovation is really about generalist thinking, mashup thinking across variety of functions. So fashion tech really sort of bleeds the boundary of fashion and technology to create new opportunities and new meaning. So I think it's an exciting time we're all in. Um, we're all in the industry, so I'm excited to chat a little bit more about it today. Imagine you're at a major conference or festival like South by Southwest, and you have the chance to sit down and talk with the head of global e-commerce for a major apparel brand like Under Armour. What could you talk about? It could be a wide-ranging conversation. Everything from a new subscription service aligning on the purpose of a brand to connected sensors and the Internet of Things as a platform for the future. It could cover progress in the washability of wearable tech to top of funnel marketing and even how the fitness trend in China is on fire. Well, all of these things are coming up in this episode because we did exactly that. And the show starts right now. This episode is presented by luxury footwear brand Tamara Mellon. Right now, as a listener of Fashion Is Your Business, you can get a huge $100 off your first order from Tamara Mellon just by using code FIYB at checkout at www.tamaramellon.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N.com. And don't forget, use code FIYB for $100 off your first order. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location with Pavan Ball, Rob Sanchez, and Mark Rako. And now, here are your hosts. So, Sid, uh, welcome uh, back to the show. It's, it's great to see you. If we're not in Vegas, we're in Austin. <laughs> That's right. No, it's great, great to be back, and uh, obviously, you guys are doing an incredible job in terms of getting the message out here. So, you know, happy to contribute and um, be a part of a bigger meeting here. Thank, thank you, Sid. That means a lot, and uh, glad to have you here, of course. Uh, and uh, um, hello to our uh, special guest host, uh, Mr. Rohan Duyuskar, uh the CEO and founder of Stylitics. Welcome once again to the mic, Rohan. Hello, hello. All right, and of course, Mr. Pavan Ball. What is happening? Uh, and we are uh, here at South by Southwest. And so I would like to uh, start off after having heard your, uh, what you, you love about uh, fashion tech and, and really what you love about South by Southwest said, uh, take it from a little bit of a different uh, angle. And that is, um, 
How is South by Southwest important for you? Uh, not just South by Southwest, uh, conferences and shows and gatherings like South by Southwest, important for your business in terms of discovery of innovation, uh, the kind of connections that you can make, and, and really in terms of your participation, what are you looking to accomplish and how does it connect with your mission? So kind of in that direction. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a little bit of a personal vantage point and then there is a brand vantage point. So I can talk a little bit about both. So personally, you know, I, I do believe and, you know, this is a message I always talk to my team about. It's it's very important to be part of the bigger conversation and you can't be part of a bigger conversation if you're sitting in the four walls of your office or your conference rooms and trying to innovate. Ultimately, creation innovation happens uh, with foreign entities. And what is that foreign entity? Foreign entity is a new conversation. And these kind of events really play a very strong catalyst role in, in that foreign entity. I think from a brand perspective, I think there's a pretty standard being associated with the innovation agenda as as variety of companies are trying to do here, which I, I don't think is wrong. I think that's that's needed. But I think ultimately these kind of events also force companies to sort of stop, look back and zoom out and say, what is so exciting about our brand, really? And just beg that question to their teams, uh, to their leadership, because business moves so fast day to day, we barely have our head, you know, we can keep our heads up. So I think these are great opportunities to have that moment of pause and challenge the status quo around how you're running the business, how you're driving sentiment with your consumer, and um, what's so special about your brand? You know, you're here as the director, or not here, but you function as the director of digital for Under Armour. Now, you guys have been known to be innovative, so to, to test out technologies, and you specifically bring them in and piloting them. Um, I'm going to throw out the elephant in the room to me is the fact that you actually work with Rohan and Stylitics. So I want to hear about the genesis of that working relationship and how maybe from Rohan, your side, how how did you get into that pipeline of innovation for Under Armour? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's it's so interesting to hear Sid talk about his viewpoint advantage. We've now been able to try some things together. I'll leave it to him to say what, what those things are if he wants to. But, um, you know, it's... I think there's some brands that and some people who have an, uh, just pay lip service to it but don't really um, translate that into action and their teams don't reflect that. And I think for what we've seen from the Under Armour team is that as long as it makes business sense, they're willing to, tr to try things. Um, I mean, I'll stop it there because I want to sit Yeah, no, I mean, I think in. it's, um, you know, we're, we're fairly public in terms of our program called Armour Box, which is really a Stitchfix-style stitch service except the big difference really is that you know we are utilizing a broader set of data so it's not really about aesthetics only because we are a company which is very driven around purpose and function so we're not just making cool looking athletic wear we're making athletic wear which makes you better and makes you better now are you, so this is this by the way I have not heard about this yeah. um a stitch fix, that means it's a subscription box or something? It is like that, a or? subscription box, but it's not <clears throat> like how you see a lot of brands where they'll put a bunch of stuff in a box, ship it out to a thousand people, mm -hmm. and expect them to love it or like it. This is extremely customized, like Stitch Fix. I mean, again, you yeah. know, they do a great job, so uh, all power to that brand. 
uh, it's really like you have to put a lot of implicit and explicit data in terms of Around your preferences, preferences and, and yeah. stuff. And then there's a lot of machine learning, which uh, you know Rohan and, and and his company help us in in figuring that out to create outfits. And then we have a full styling team, which brings the art and science of machine learning. And then hey, what does your heart tell you that what's the right outfit, right? So we bring in, we put the styling uh, lens at the end of it before we uh, to send the outfit out. But it really creates a really powerful, uh, not only platform for communication and exchange with your consumer, because now the consumer is telling you, I love this. Hey, the inseam is tight. It's you know tight on the thigh. Those kind of feedback, they're typically hesitant to write on public reviews. Now, who, who's the client for this? Because this has to be someone who's just ripping through athletic wear. Yeah, so I mean, I think... If you think about just Under Armour, like, you know, we have a very performance-oriented lens. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, sure, people can wear Under Armour how they like. and It wouldn't be the casual, um, you know, recreational. Um, well, I mean, I'll tell you that I, so yeah, I get yeah. the Armour box. Okay. And I'm not any sort of athlete. I well, go to the gym are and you that's beta about, testing your no, own? No. I mean, no, well, I mean, there's that, there's that component <laughs> sure. of it, but... But you have, and now you understand it. Yeah. No, well, I mean, I, I didn't, in the early days of the program, I didn't have any set expectations because it was very experimental, um, test and learn sort of thing. But I will say that I was hugely surprised because I got the box, and I, you know, I'm, it was a wait and see, like, will this actually drive a change for me? And um, I tried on these pants. They were pants that are not in a silhouette that I would typically go to wear. I would never try them on in the store. They were so comfortable. It's not a pitch for Under Armour product. It's just telling you my experience. Yeah. That I just bought three three pairs of those. Yeah. And, I mean, I got one in the box, and I went out and bought two That's more. That's interesting. And so that yeah. trial, there's some other T-shirts. I even brought one to sell by, which I would never have tried in a store. It's not like I would have gone to the typical black T-shirt and, like, you know, blue shorts and all that stuff. It really got me out of my comfort zone. What, was that the thinking going into this? Yeah, so there, there are a few things. So trial is definitely one important strategy because it drives category yeah. exposure. Like, you go outside your comfort zone. I mean, I went to a Lululemon, like, a style speaker thing yesterday, yeah. where they, and they gave a free pair of Lululemon pants. And mm -hmm. I took it out of the bag, and I said, no chance, but I'm sure I'm going to try it on no matter what. Right. And then maybe I love it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, like, compression is a great example. So compression where people who love it, they love it. People who have never yeah. tried compression wear don't want to go with the five-foot pole near it, right? But... I mean, I was the same, like, before working for Under Armour, I was like, I've never worn compression. It looks kind of kind of weird, but it's cool, maybe. And, and then you, you try yeah. it, and if you're a runner or you're, you're training and it's a little bit cold weather, yeah. it completely changes it the game. It makes sense. Completely changes so the game. So beyond trial, then. So trial, obviously, being one of the motivating factors. Trial. And then I think what we are trying to do is connect it to our fitness network, so MyFitnessPal and MapMyRun. That's what we had talked about. You just launched that. You know what? Now I'm remembering when we talked the first time, you just, just, just We were in beta that time. Yeah. So I think what's really powerful is now your stylist not only has access to your preferences from a visual perspective, but yeah. has an access to... When are you performance running? Data. And now you can start to be very holistic in your recommendations. We're not completely there mm -hmm. in full transparency, but I think we didn't want to create another subscription service just for the sakes of it because there was market gravity. We wanted to create it because it There's is utility. It, it's, and it yeah. aligns to the purpose of the brand, which is making you better. We have to deliver on making you better. We just don't want to make you look better. We want to make you better from all aspects. So I think it's 
it, it's a very strong concept, and I think where we want to where we are working is the delivery has to be extremely strong as well through end and end. So exciting program, and you know these guys are doing a great job, Rohan and team and Stalytics, um in giving us scale. Yeah. Um, with now, now, so beyond the my the connected products group and you know the, the subscription box, do you also touch a lot of the um, the influencer side of things as well? Yeah, so I have a peer on the digital marketing side who runs a lot of uh, performance media as well yeah. as social. So, I, I only ask that because you mentioned Steph Curry in the uh, yeah. <laughs> in your what I love about fashion, and everyone loves Steph Curry, of course. Yeah, and it's it's just an interesting. Um, I feel like tug of war between these, you know, highly coveted and um, just current figures in sports. And uh, you know, you're you're finding. I went to um, to a, an Adidas launch of their new line that was inspired by Holy by the you know festivals of color, and it was just it's so interesting to see what's and that was with Pharrell, right? Yeah. So you're seeing these kind of crossover collaborations happening a lot and uh, do you have any lens into so beyond sports figures are you yeah. looking to entertainment in those other areas you know i think um we we have to figure out what our story is and we have to do that really well and i think that doesn't sort of behoove us of not doing 100 other things, or not other things but i think what what we've been very clear is this is a time for us to get extremely laser focused on what our focus is and delivering 100% on it. And I think till the time we can't do that, I think we can't, we, we're not going to stretch ourselves. Where do you want to see connected devices go for apparel? I think it, that's an ongoing journey, and I think we're not the only people in that game, right? I think if you think about intelligence in every product we have today, uh, it's a pursuit. It's a, it's a strong pursuit by every company. If you are at South by here and you walk around at Innovation Labs, you'll probably find connected sen sensors in clothing, in shoes, in um, you know, other goods and services. So I think IoT as a platform, it is the future. Uh, I think it's still quite ways there in terms of, I mean, I know you're starting to see pretty good progress from a washability perspective now. Um, you know, we have Avery as our partners. They're doing some incredible work in that space. Um, but I think Avery's come up a lot today. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. The okay. wrong mic earlier. Today. I mean, yeah, we interviewed them, and then Not every really. <laughs> every <laughs> interview fine. subsequently has has their participation. In it yeah. So it's uh, I think it's the future. I mean, the, the question is, it's not just about hardware. It is about an ecosystem. It's about creating a service model, which helps you connect the dots with yeah. that hardware. So hardware is a piece to me. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, so, you know, like you said, you walk around, there's so many companies out there, and obviously you're getting pinged all the time. Um, is there a framework you have for deciding what types of projects you want to take on next? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, there's a company lens and there's a business unit lens. And I think all of us, um, <clears throat> one of the things we, we've been very focused is how different business units priorities really ladder up and connect to the companies. So, you know, as we think about what's important for us, and I can talk about digital commerce because I'd rather, you know, be a proxy to my own perspective than, yeah, than, um, than our brands. Um, but I think in digital commerce, like I, we've been challenging our own teams quite a bit around it's not just about underarmor.com. Like commerce is happening in a distributed model across the world. There's consumer on all touch points, and it's not about transactional friction, but it's about engagement and desire. So 
Let's talk about that then intersect between the in-store environments, the, the post-purchase world, and, and online commerce. What are you doing? So I've seen a lot, I mean, I guess NRF of 2017, not this past one, the big theme I saw was, um, you know, sensors that are detecting emotional response. And now you're seeing it being implemented quite a bit. Um, and then funneling that down the pipeline and seeing intent and things like that. What are you working on in that world that are giving you insights that can then drive digital commerce? I think, yeah, it's like digital commerce is almost a horizontal to a lot of verticals, right? Because ultimately, what is commerce? Like a lot of people will be saying commerce is the act of buying. And to me, commerce is the act of creating desire. So how are you working with the stores to gain, or technology in stores to gain insights to drive yeah, so I, I think a um, couple, couple of ways, and again, you know, no company or brand has perfected an ecosystem where data flows smoothly and it's insights new, are generated yeah. and then experiences are powered by those insights. But I could say, like, you know, a couple of areas where we've made a lot of progress is around our data architecture piece. Just making sense of, you know, a single view of the consumer, which is obviously a quite a bit used word, but what does it mean? Where does it sit? What does it power? Does it power marketing and experiences? Does it power business intelligence? Does it power analytics um, and insights? So I think we made a quite a bit of pro progress in sort of step one there. Uh, step two really is around creating experiences and connecting it to the data layer. And I think that's where we really focused around. And it's not experiences just in digital commerce or retail or connected fitness. It's about creating experiences which cut across. Because if you think about the world of omni-channel, which a lot of people don't use the word, you know. No, it's unified commerce now. Right. And <laughs> it, Was there a new buzzword? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I don't, yeah, we'll see what, what, what we call it next year. But <laughs> in, this, in the spirit of unified commerce, but what's interesting is for most brands, it's physical stores and online. For us, we have almost 250 million people on fitness platforms who may have never, ever visited our site, may have never visited our stores, but they are a consumer. That's right. Consumer of our brand, not necessarily a product. How is the My Fitness app flowing in this entire ecosystem? ecosystem. Is it bringing new conversion? Yeah, so I mean, I think there. We, like, I we know have, it's a distribution channel for education or tips and tricks or whatever it might be, content. Yeah. But is it re, is it translating? I think we see it in a in a variety of ways. The value add of these platforms, right? It's ultimately about creating awareness. It's about creating consideration for your brand, and then purchase and transaction and and loyalty loop comes right after that. So I think. If you try to get too laser focused on, hey, I got to put a bunch of commerce in this and start to, you know, ultimately there's a short-term gain for long-term pain, right? So I think we have to think about if somebody's downloading MyFitnessPal, what's the mindset? What's the consumer need? What are the motivators? And how does Under Armour play in being part of the solution of that motivations of that consumer? So it's a branding move. It, it is, but I, I would... I mean, I think if we say everything is branding, then that's cool. Yeah. But if branding means branding is fluff, no, it's not fluff. It's no, truly it's, yeah. like it's the top of funnel marketing, mm -hmm. which ultimately, which all of us know that if you don't have great top of the funnel marketing, your performance marketing is crap, right? Because you're just harvesting a bunch of garbage. So think about it that way, right? You're really creating that top and middle funnel marketing. 
um, to to help us on the conversion side. I mean, we do, you know, still we get a fairly healthy traffic on our .com from that. So we still have very tangible value. But mm-hmm. I think the bigger play also comes from the top of the funnel side. For example, you know, one opportunity could be where somebody is starting a new sport. You can see that through the connected fitness apps. And just at that point, offer them the chance to you know, get the armor box style advice. I mean, that, those feel like more natural ways to provide a service to the customer. Is that how you're thinking about it? Yeah, I think. And, and I'm sure like the teams have talked to you at some point about is like, you know, even simple things like you just download my fitness pal. You just put in a weight loss goal. How can we make your journey easier? Right. Like. Maybe products are a solution to it, but products may not it be the solution to, be, to right. all of it. It could be content. And it if could it's be not, coaching. you're not pushing it down their throat. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we we, we got to keep that lens that it is about the consumer. It is about the consumer. The brand will eventually win if we service the consumer. You know? So, Sid, how do you integrate, uh, if at all, other t- other points of data to connect with psychological factors? For example, someone that puts in a a, um, a fitness goal one person may be doing it because they're fitness enthusiasts. Another may be doing it because they were just told by their doctor that if they don't do this, they're going to have a heart attack. Those two people are going to be motivated in different ways. The person that's doing it for the heart attack might be very resistant to it, may not be as easily gravitated towards uh, investing a lot of a, uh, you know, supporting uh, equipment or apparel or whatever, whereas the other person you know, may have more of a fashion sense about it because they're out in the fitness world just as two extreme examples. So can you talk at all about how you connect those basic data points and match them with psychological motivations? Yeah, I mean, I think there, so there are a couple of aspects of that question. I think if you, if you go into what is holistic health today, you know, I think people will say it's about activity, it's about nutrition, it's about sleep, which is a big conversation over the course of the last couple of years, which hasn't been overtly talked about, the importance of rest and sleep. And then there's mind. Um, and I think the, the piece of mind hasn't been cracked yet because like mind training, mind, uh, you know, physio- physiotherapy, like that sort of concept, I mean, that's a big part of athlete performance. Do you mean more specifically type of medica- uh, meditation or is it just holistically... I think it, it could be based on different profiles. And again, guys, I'm, I'm not coming from a very medically oriented approach. So just a disclaimer, this is purely a personal perspective. The, the way I think about motivations, right? Like, what does it take to motivate people? To you, it could be about meditation and sort of disconnecting with, you know, the chaos of the day. For some, meditation could be about going on a sprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that so going back to mark's point do you feel that your data structure allows you to identify these customer uh, journeys you know like those moments those life moments uh, pretty accurately so the some of the overt life moments we can we are starting to get you know an assessment so when somebody goes through weight loss yeah you know you're logging in weight loss overtly on a daily you basis you can more or less also identify the the motivation behind their yeah. goal yeah. as well. So I think we, so in Armorbox, like that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you start to onboard, we I ask. I love the name, by the way. I mean, it's so yeah. obvious because right. it's a brand, but like <laughs> it just sounds awesome. Yeah. You see the box, it's like, yeah, it's, the branding is really cool. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah, you guys should, um, you should definitely subscribe it. And, I'll um, uh, send um, you my address. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> Even I have to pay full price for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was as shameless as you, Bob, and I really, yeah. I really, I would have more stuff. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> 
All right. Uh, yeah, what, so what I think we were just closing out around uh, in Armor Box. When you onboard, we ask you, "What's your goal?" So I think we, we want to start capturing the the, 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 the mind the there, mind yeah. setup piece mm -hmm. uh, at least overtly because obviously you know yeah. we're not quite there where the subtleties of data can set, tell us like what's going on in your life. Um, yeah. But I think we'll get there at some point. All right, coming up. You'll hear Sid talk about how Under Armour connects with customers all around the world. Uh, we'll be right back. If you want to make sure your footwear is as beautiful as the rest of you, you need a little bit of Tamara Mellon in your life. Tamara co-founded Jimmy Choo in the 90s, and now she's launched her own namesake brand, which is handmade in Italy by family-owned factories and without the six-time retail markup. The best shoes for a better price direct to you. And let's be honest, who doesn't love great shoes? Get this. Right now, as one of the Fashion Is Your Business listeners, you can get a whopping $100 off your first order from Tamara Mellon just by using code FIYB at checkout at www.tamaramellon.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N.com. And don't forget, use code F-I-Y-B for $100 off your first order. You can follow Fashion Is Your Business on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available at fashionisyourbusiness.com and listen and subscribe wherever the best podcasts are found. So, of course, here in the U.S., Under Armour has been a flagship brand for some time now. Uh, but your, your position at the company is the U.S. is just a, a piece of that whole pie. I mean, when you talk about real global expansion, it's hard not to have a conversation um, not directed at East Asia and specifically China. How does how does the brand extension within markets in China and otherwise differ from how you approach things in the U.S.? And I know that's a very vague question. You could take it wherever you. No, I think want, I, I think it's um, it's a good one, and you know I can I can. There's obviously a lot of angles to it. I can yeah. give you a couple of angles which are which are close to to me. You're a politician, huh? I'm a, you, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know exactly how to frame it perfectly, and then go move on. Not just like that. It. Just yeah. give a yeah. shout out to Austin local businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about the tax impact. That's so that's, that's, that's the role of a leader in a matrix organization these <laughs> it's days. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's about uh, the chief cheerleader, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Shout out to Bob's Deli on 10th and... Uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well, you just came from a sustainability conversation where, you know, there was a shout out to pretty much everybody around the world. So yeah. it's all good. Prior to, to Sid, we had uh, Nina Shariati, which you'll hear on Fashion Is Your Business as well of H&M. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> that was great. So I, I think China is extremely fascinating and I've had the, the, the luck to visit that market over the course of the last six months. An incredible team. And that business has grown like phenomenally, like, you know, um, you know, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but um, stellar, stellar performance, far overshooting our, our mean growth. So I think what's interesting about China is really the cross section of the business we run there, which is completely direct to consumers. So if you think about our U.S. market, you know, we are about 65 percent wholesale. 
So we do a large part of business through our partners like Dick's and Macy's and Nordstrom's and, and Academy and so forth. But in China, it's completely through our owned and operated partner stores or it's through online. Social. Uh, and online, when I mean that JD.com, Tmall.com, yeah. those are the big players in, in the Chinese e-commerce market. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's basically where the, a lot of the consumers are. So it's not that... It's interesting when you think about the conversation around Amazon in the United States and the choice of doing business with Amazon versus direct. Honestly, in China, the conversation is a lot simpler. Uh, The consumer is basically galvanized around those marketplaces and they're shopping. And these companies are doing an incredible job in customer experience, building incredible apps, vertically integrated into payment systems, social and I think it just creates such a powerful ecosystem for the consumer that there's no reason why you wouldn't want to shop there. That being said, I think there's a role for underarmor.cn. Um, you know, there's definitely a distinct role as you think about the loyalty play uh, with your consumer. How do you bring them back? Are there special events you can run for your consumer to bring them back to a direct site? But I think that's the really in- exciting and interesting part is how do you play with these partners in a manner which is right by your brand and right by your consumer? Because it's not very easy, as as you guys know, in a in a world where you're sort of almost like a competitor to your uh, wholesale partners, uh, it's the same consumer you're going after, but you're still creating a segmentation model which really you know makes sense. In China, it's actually a bit easier. And do you find that the customer needs or the focus on performance is, is somewhat different or? Or not different at all? I think that's a really good question. And it's been probably the most fascinating insight for me and observation over the course of last year is uh, just the fitness trend in China is on fire. Oh, really? And it's not on fire just because it's in fashion or anything. The understanding of the consumer around how important it is around longevity uh, and just health and holistic health on a day-to-day basis is incredible. And it's even the Chinese government. And I think a lot of credit to the Chinese government in this case that uh, they're powering a lot of initiatives to power fitness and health because they believe the workforce and the productivity of the workforce is all reliant around health and fitness. So I, I think it's a long-term trend, um, very bullish on that trend, and you know, feel very strong uh, based on you know where the business is there. So do you change... Do you have the same products being sold in, in other markets or is there any sort of change to the actual materials or any of those things? Yeah, I think, you know, you know again, you know, there's a utopia around localization, which every brand would love to get to, where it's literally like what I sell in your store in your street is different than the store I sell in the next street over, right? But I think there's realities around supply chain efficiencies and manufacturing sourcing. So I, I think we're trying to get towards localization overall as a company. I think every brand is trying to get there. The journeys at different places for different brands. And I think we made some good progress. But, um, I mean, I think it's just it's a work in yeah. progress. I mean, and there's probably diminishing returns at some point to yeah. say, like, how, how far do you go with that? Absolutely. Are you, you know, are, I want to take it back to a more top of funnel digital marketing side uh, specific to China. Um, what where's the attention there right now? Yeah, I th- I think um, the social portals, obviously, like WeChat and you know those are big players. I mean, in fact, it was interesting. I was in Japan, and we'll just do a segue to Japan for a second. Um, there was an app on my phone for the longest time called Line, and I thought it was like a spam. Like you know, I was like because random people would add me, and I was like, I want to delete this app one day. And you go to Japan, 
everything happens online. online. Yeah. So, and it's called L-I-N-E, line. Um, so, it's just interesting. Oh my God, so not online, so but everything online. happens online. Yeah, <laughs> that's genius. why I was like... <laughs> that's so brilliant. Somebody yeah. had a, yes, they were sitting in a meeting room when there were like four th- people I mean, and were like, <laughs> what about this? Everything happens online. online. <laughs> that is, oh God. <laughs> brilliant. Um, so it's all over Japan. It's, it's all over Japan. It's not even a commerce thing. It's basically the sense of privacy is so important to the Japanese consumer. Right. that they're using Line almost as a platform to create proxy of themselves. So whether it's business contact, you'll get a Line number. Whether you're doing oh buying something, God. you get a Line number. I'm like, where's your real number? Like, Don't need it. Here's yeah. a Line number. Oh, so it's yeah. almost like, it's a, like a Google voice. It's a, like yeah. a Google Buffer. voice wow. proxy. Wow. But it's interesting. Um, so you're seeing these consolidation yeah. platforms across the globe, whether it's WeChat in, in China, Line in Japan, I think it, it something has to happen here, and obviously, you know, we know who's most poised for success in the U.S. Uh, you know, probably somebody like a Facebook there. Um, I think it, it just ought to happen. It's so natural. With so much time being spent on on mobile gaming, how do you participate in that world, if at all? So I, I can't talk too much. I mean, there's some opportunities in that space overall, but Are I you think looking towards it. To- I mean, I think we're always looking, and yeah. every brand is, right? Like, if you're a large brand, you got to keep your eyes and ears open around what's happening. Um, but I think um, mobile gaming, whether it's through, uh, if you're talking from a media angle, there's a media angle, there's a sponsorship and endorsement angle, there is a just mindset of the consumer angle. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there. Honestly, like, you know, we've, we've, we've promised to ourselves that we, we have to drive focus around what we do great and do it really well. So I think all those opportunities are out there and I think the category teams are, you know, doing their job and doing it really well. Um, but I, but I that, at this point for Under Armour, that's really just on, again, more brand extension, advertising, marketing absolutely. type of plays versus anything else. Exactly. So said, you know, obviously we work together with um, elements of machine learning and AI. I'm curious about how you think about that whole field in general and if you think there's impact for your digital channels. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, you stay in an event like South by Southwest and if you say perhaps, um, I think you probably get thrown out from uh, <laughs> the next three square miles. Uh, in, right, in so Austin. actually I'll, I'll rephrase that. Yeah. On the assumption that you do, do you right. think it's worth paying attention to? What is it? What is it? <laughs> yeah, right. no, no, I, I get it. I was just trying to be a, uh, a smart one here. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, you know, initially, if you had asked me that question 15 months back, right, we were all focused on consumer experiences and how AIs power consumer experiences, whether in our world it's recommendations, it's, um, you know, the idea of um, you know, concierge shopping or whatever that might be. But honestly, the more and more I've been exposed to AI and the opportunity that exists in large corporations or uh, any, any big companies today, I, I think it's a lot around workflow automation. Right. And workflow automation, obviously, you guys do some of it through, you know, your machine learning and creating outfits, but also uh, workflow automation in customer service. So how do I make sure that I'm using AI to direct this incoming call to the best customer service person who is the most relevant for this consumer, is best equipped to answer the question of this consumer, um, and you know, have a high le- service level. So, so I think- would that be something? Sorry to interrupt, but would that be something like um, there's a customer service rep who's a little bit more golf oriented, and if the caller is coming in with a profile that's 
truer to golf, you can direct it the right way? Yeah, I think that that's sort of like, that was just an example. Like I, I've always been excited about and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty transparent, so I'll, I'll share it. So hopefully if somebody can do it, great, let me know, uh, give me a call. But I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Obviously, you're seeing in the food and beverage space, in the grocery space, around ro robotics and automation. So I, I think there's just a lot of power overall around um, really, you know, inching up the intelligence quotient everywhere. One quick question on, so how closely do you work with like the experiential partnership team? So um, the team at Under Armour that goes out and builds out activations at large sporting events or, you know, things like maybe South by or whatever it is to connect to your goals and, and, you know, digital goals. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. And so one, in terms of activation, just for anybody who listens um, to this, um, it's probably too late, but we have an incredible activation uh, called the Hover House uh, right down the street. And it's uh, basically focused on our new running shoe, which is a zero gravity shoe, or at least gives you the, the feel of zero gravity. Because when you talk about the great running shoe, it's really about beating gravity at the end of the day. So, so we have a great uh, immersive experience, which sort of recreates that zero gravity feel uh, in there. And how does that help you with your goals? On so on our side, you know, I think we have to think about ultimately that top of the funnel marketing. So from an e-commerce perspective, and I think about what's my sell through on hovers, which is our running shoes, there are a variety of ways to go after it. One is you can keep buying digital media uh, on, on variety of portals, but if the awareness is very low, then performance media doesn't really do justice in telling a story about a product, right? I think you, you got to build that awareness a little bit more on top of the funnel. And I think that's where these, oh, these, these events do a great job for us in building that awareness funnel. Um, and again, I think these teams, we work together, very strong go-to-market process, you know, hand in, in in terms of what our focus and goals are. All right, that seems like about as good a time as any to uh, move on to perhaps our favorite part of the show, which is uh, when we get uh, into a little less Under Armour, a little more Sigitia, uh with our Off the Grid question segment, which is uh, up right up to this. Be right back. everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. All right, Sid. It's time for Sid's Grid. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, it's time for off the grid questions. That's where we ask questions a little bit more personal in nature, therefore a little bit off the grid. Uh, we have absolutely no idea what questions we're going to ask. We don't know what our co-hosts will ask. We don't know the order we're going to ask them. Uh, the idea is just to get to know you a little bit more as a human being. 
And the way we solve the order is by spinning our Wheel of Grid Destiny, a cool prize wheel of sorts that we've uh, shuttled out here from New York City. And uh, I'm going to give the wheel a big spin and see who goes first. And the first question comes from it. Yep. And it's Rohan. Wow. All right. All right. <laughs> Waiting Finally, for this Rohan's all day. First. All day. <laughs> Exciting. It was almost on Pavan. I'm happy yeah, about it. Went so close. Just one tick <laughs> yeah. and boop. Um, so, you know, Sid, whenever we talk, we're talking digital. Um, you're obviously immersed and expert in that space. If you weren't anything to do with digital or retail, if you were doing something else in a parallel universe, what do you think that might be? Uh, you know, I, I so I, I I went to school for architecture and and still have a lot of passion and interest in um, just you know a close intimacy with that profession. So I always think uh, it would be really amazing to bring this idea of like, you know, we've all talked about what does uh, home automation really look like? And home automation today is like turning lights on and off. But like, what's, what is the home of the future really look like? And how do you create an ecosystem which is not about making just spaces smarter, but creating more immersive experience, which are personal? Like if it's your kids, how do you, when you go to bed, suddenly have a visceral beautiful imagery of your kids uh, right before you. Like, it's just this idea of juxtaposing your personal self into your home, right? And how does digital really come to be in that? I think that always fascinates me. I think there's going to be a world where spaces are not going to be just spaces. There will be ecosystems. And what does that journey look like? So I, I think I always joke that, you know, if I'm going to retire, I'm going to build homes. But what I'd love to do is build homes which take us into sort of what does really a space really mean to me as a person? Wow. So thinking of the home as a, a blank canvas almost and then just building yeah. things around it's it. It's a little heady, but, you know. Not re I mean, we were over at the WEAR conference last year in San Fran and Fisher Price was talking on very similar thread lines to this, but specific to obviously your children. Sure. But creating these augmented versions of their environments or their playroom or whatever it is and their learning mechanisms um, it seems to be top of mind for a lot of folks. Yeah, yeah. I think it's power. The, like just the visceral response, emotional response spaces can create. Did I just say Fisher Price or King Fisher? You said Fisher Price. Okay, thank goodness. Three Indians talking yeah, about yeah. Uh, <laughs> the local Indian beer. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the Fisher King. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All right, another spin of the wheel. And the next question comes to Pavan. Okay, so maybe I'll just go on that South Asian thread then real quick. So uh, your family, or you grew up in, uh, in Delhi. Uh, most of my family is actually out there as well. I'm wondering uh, when you get homesick of, you know, the things that, you know, just remind you of, of India and all the beautiful things that, that came with that, um, where do you go and what do you do? If you don't yeah, go to Delhi. Right. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, I'm going tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just got homesick yesterday, so I decided I'm going to take yeah. a flight. So, yeah, yeah. I decided so what, what I do, do is yeah. I just buy a ticket and go. No, I mean, it's a hard one, right? Like, I mean, you know, we've all been here 20 plus years. So um, I think the concept of how much empowerment you have to go and solicit that memory back is like, you know, you kind of become okay with that. And I think. You could say it's good or bad, not being okay. But I think you, your, your life is so filled with, you know, in my, in my world, so half my life was there, half my life has been here. So it's equal amount of memories. Now they're kind of almost like mixing in. Yeah. 
So it's not like home, that was home and this is not home because, you know, in 20 years there, 20 years here, like... Do you see kind yourself of, uh, forever in Austin? Uh, you know, in an ideal situation? Austin is a great town, honestly. I mean, I think I already gave that little uh, pitch earlier on, but it's an incredible city, uh, extremely open-minded, and I think allows innovation just by the sakes of how the city is. I mean, I was hanging out with a few people last night. They all grew up in, 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 in Austin. And just the passion this, these individuals have and pride around growing up in Austin uh, is incredible. So I think I love it. I mean, again, who knows where life takes you, but, um, you know, always going to be a fond memory if I ever move out. And one final spin of the wheel. Who could it be? It is me. All right, Sid. Uh, arguably, uh, Under Armour is about motivating people to be in motion, uh, helping them be in motion. Uh, it's at least a piece of the pie. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it's um, it's the biggest piece of pie, uh, you know. And I think uh, it, the motion piece is, if you consider it to be physical, then I would say the other pieces sort of goes into the mental pieces, right? And awesome. I think that's where the real uh, cherry on the pie comes is really when all of those work together. So I love the fitting who, analogy right. of yeah. pies. <laughs> who doesn't like their pie <laughs> without cherries, right? All right, uh, thank you for tipping that up for me. So uh, my question is, what is the earliest moment in your life that you remember motion being a, an important or impressible or pivotal moment for you? <laughs> I think it's probably the, the weirdest question of the day, <laughs> but uh, let's, try, let's try it. Let's, let's try to answer it. Um, so motion being important. I think when I have a big meal in the afternoon, and I'm, on, I'm on the conference calls like nonstop until six. And I have to just stand there and basically stand on one foot and then put, put the other foot down. That's, that, that motion is so important. And it's, uh, you know, I envy the people who sometimes have the opportunity to go into a field job and, and deal with it. But sometimes I just don't have a choice. You're, you're on conference calls. Um, right after lunch through 6 p.m. and you're like, what am I supposed to do? So, but what's cool is in our office we have actually treadmills, and we have phone stations. I was just going to point that out yeah. to you. Yeah. Right there. we have yeah. uh, we have phone stations uh, next to it, so we could do that. So you know, I could. But you take, don't. But I could take part of the part of the blame for that. But um, yeah, that's where motion is very important. Very good. To burp, thank motion to burp. <laughs> All right, thank you, and uh, Sid. Uh, reflecting on this conversation or even South by Southwest or perhaps the work that Under Armour is doing out there in general, uh, would you care to share a kind of, let's call it a final thought, final word with our audience, whatever that may be? You know, it's, uh, I love the excitement in the space right now. And I think it's been around like that for the last two to three years. And I'm just hoping that the tech industry or the digital industry doesn't become uh, what was, you know, another industry which was really hot during the 2020s and we all sort of move on to something other cool. So, you know, being part of that industry, I just feel like this energy remains like this for eternity because this is amazing. Wonderful. And uh, how can people connect, obviously, with Under Armour, but anyone that wants to try to connect or follow you, how, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, LinkedIn is good. Um, LinkedIn is good to, to connect. Uh, Twitter is fine as well. So, those two would be probably the best. What's your handle on Twitter? So, um, I don't even know. I'm trying to remember. So what probably my... not the best place to connect Correct. with you is what you're saying. That's yeah. probably right. So let's forget Twitter. Let's forget Twitter. 
with the ball. I thought it was gonna be something embarrassing. No, I don't. I don't Google Sid. I think it used to be it used to be Globetrotter Sid before, but I don't. I mean, that's probably a good question. I haven't used it in a while. So. But, you know, push notifications are a big deal. Once you get a push that, notification, you open it. That was also your AOL it. screen name. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was, probably. I think I, think I was probably one of the early users of Twitter, and I, I didn't really realize the gravity of choosing a good handle. Mm. So. We had a guest earlier who we can't share what her na- her uh, Instagram handle was, but she was she was saying the same thing. She didn't realize how serious it needed to be. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I should professionalize my. Yeah, right. I think you can change it now, though. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah but absolutely. that shows how yeah. how much it matters. Right. <laughs> so LinkedIn, guys. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. <laughs> okay, LinkedIn it is. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Sid Jatia with Under Armour. Thank you so much for uh, joining us once again on the mic with a bit of an update and here in your hometown. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It was fun. All right. That's it for this episode of Fashion Is Your Business on location at the Retail Innovation Lounge at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Uh, And uh, for our guest host, uh, Rohan Duskar. Let's go eat some tacos. (laughs) I love that. And uh, Pub and Ball. Shake it easy, guys. I'm Mark Rako. We do appreciate you listening. (laughs) Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.